1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what is less than a week away right now, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs opening their season against the Montreal Canadiens. We're all excited about hockey, and what better way to get us pumped up for that than sitting down with Leafs reporter Terry Koshan? Terry, we seem to do this before every season. How's it going?
0: It's good, Jimmy. It's, uh, you know, it's um, it's odd for everybody, but, uh, you know, there's something coming about on my life. obviously, I think with the backseeing and everything, and, Back to our in the fall, we hope, but for now, uh, you know, we'll make do with what we have, which is a 6 game season. And, um, you know, I don't know how people can't be excited about that.
1: No, for sure. Well, for you, I mean, right now you look at it, you're not down at camp, but it's got to feel like there's a little bit of meat on the bone. though. you're getting to see the players through zoom calls. You're getting to ask questions and see different things. And that's the stuff we want to pick your brain on today.
0: Yeah. yeah no, it's, uh, like I said, it's odd not to be there. And, uh, you know, I, there's a feeling now that we're ready to get into the I There's still, I don't know, there's still some T's that have to be crossed and I's that have to be dotted. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about practice yet how that's going to look, guys. But, um, you know, like I said, you can make do with what you have. And it, it, it's odd for everyone to be doing this in-call thing. Um, but uh, that's where we are right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think, like like everybody else, we in the media are just looking forward to St. Martin talking again. And we got a bit of defensive offensive you Jr., and now we're going to get, you know, the NHL. So it's, uh, it's nothing to
1: complain about, for sure. No, definitely not anything to complain about. And you look at all the different things that are now shaking out. Um, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm wondering for you, what are you going to do with that first line? Do you think Joe Thornton sticks up there? Well,
0: you know, what a few questions. I mean, I was just looking it up. Uh, you know, he played three or four minutes last last season at san jose at uh, even strength than what martyr and maps did here in toronto and keith has already said to us guys that they're going to manage you know joe's minutes so we'll see what happens with the with that with that line then when they are quote-unquote managing those minutes i would imagine that means that even strength to a degree um but uh, you know I, I think there's potential for it his vision is played down low uh you know is, is still uh above average um uh, does does, does just get up around the ring quickly not really but uh you know we'll see if that's a hindrance or not obviously the least lead itself shall the least it, leader please it isn't sorry or won't be and uh, you know I think there's potential there when you when you have uh, you know the, the, the skill and talent and everything else that those two bring um you know and, and the ability of someone like like Thornton to to put the puck on their stick and everything, and and really compliment that. I I think there's potential there, but I I am curious to see how it does work in um, time wise. So,
1: yeah, I look you know, at uh, I look at Thornton yeah. coming on that top line. And I mean, I look at it. As somebody, you have Thornton, you have Spetsa, you have different guys that you want to try up there, obviously. And I got questions yeah. about Hyman in a little bit, but you know, I don't think he's going to be an everyday traveler there. But I do think that, uh a guy you could put up there, you got 56 games, maybe in 30 of them, and have him up there as a focal point to help those two. I mean, like he said in his Zoom call too, which is really interesting, and I mean, you don't know what he's going to do for rubbing off on those two, but he talked about, hey, while those two are up there doing their magic, I can hang back and be that uh, third guy back to kind of cover up if there's any mistakes or problems, which is absolutely beautiful to hear because you know sometimes those two get in the offensive zone and their mind is on putting the puck in the net and not – not backchecking. Not that Austin's two hundred foot game hasn't grown, but it's probably nowhere adept to where Joe Thornton's is.
0: Well, I I just think that you know I think they're both coming. Matthews especially. I think he's getting awfully close to being a full two hundred foot center in this league, and uh, you know and and a really good one, obviously. I don't think there's much argument there. But I, I feel think like Thornton's impact on that line will be what he is able to do down low and that sort of thing. So you know we'll see. I mean it's uh, again you want to not temper talking about these things too much, but take it with um, a bit of a grain of salt or however you want to put it, I guess, because one thing we have seen with, with uh, Sheldon Keith in his year plus on the job is that he is not, you know, he won't hesitate to make changes when he doesn't like the way things are looking. And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm predicting that he's not going to like the way he sees the things of that line. But uh, point is, I mean, I you know, is it still together in game 10 or game 20? We don't know at this point. I think that one reason why he's able to do that and put Thornton there is because he does have depth set forward, and he is able to move people around uh, fairly seamlessly. And uh, taking that into consideration, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how long that line lasts. But, you know, I I, I think, too, you got to remember that no matter who it is playing with Matthews and Marner, it's, they're going to produce. And he just, you know, as, as we're kind of talking about, it's it's the player. And right now it's Thornton who can best help bring that out of
1: him. Well, I look at it like this, and we just talked about Matthews. I want to touch on that again for a second. You know, he's now getting the opportunity to be on the penalty kill. And uh, a knock against Nazem Kadri when he was having that selkie talk for a bit was he wasn't on the penalty kill enough. And now Austin mm-hmm. Matthews, who's growing that 200-foot game, will be on the penalty kill for a little bit. Um, I wanna ask the question though. It's all over, you know, the Toronto media and social media they're asking, is it a smart idea to put one of your premier superstars on the penalty kill? And and for me, I think it is. I love when Mitch Marner was on there, he's blocking shots. I mean, there's a lot of pundits like Brian Burke who say, you know, well they're out there and they got their hands out, you know, puck goes off their hand, they break their hand, then you lose your star player for however long. I'm wondering, Terry, in your mind, you've covered at least for a long time. Is it a good idea? to have your premier guys out on the penalty kill.
0: Well, the word is premier. And if you think your premier guys or your premier penalty killers are going to do the best at it, then yes, it's fine. Why isn't it? You want those guys to be on the ice as much as humanly possible. And guess what? You're gonna you know, you might get injured blocking a shot, the chances are good you're not. Anytime you go over the boards there's an opportunity to get injured. The chance to get injured. We've seen Austin Matthews get injured on innocent plays in his career. I don't have a problem with it. I think the more you can have Mitch Mar- or Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews on the ice, the better it is for the team as a whole. And we've seen Mitch Marner and what he's able to do create scoring chances while while the Leafs are shorthanded. And if you can get that out of Austin Matthews as well, all the better. I I, I don't have an issue with it at all.
1: Now you look at Austin Matthews uh, coming into the season. We'll touch on him just for a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously a premier goal scorer can rack up the points. In a season like this where it's so truncated and everything's so close together, what would you say a realistic goal total for Austin Matthews this year? I say around 37, 38 goals, um, you know, probably almost equivalent in assists. But I'm wondering for you, with Austin Matthews pushing, what would you say is a good good amount that you'd say, yeah, he's had a really good season this year?
0: Well, I, I, would, I was going to say 35 in that range. So probably what you're thinking, Jamie. I mean, it's just um... – that's what i would think uh you know and he could surprise us and and and, and, and you know maybe topple 40. that's asking for a lot in, in 56 games i understand that but my guess would be and you know maybe we can revisit this at the end of the season in may but somewhere in that 32 to 38 range you know i would think would be uh would uh, constitute a good season for him and um you know assist-wise we'll see how that goes too if, if mitch martyr becomes you know, develops that shot more and, and, and does that more, attacks the net more than uh, more than he has in the past, and and this sort of thing that they're encouraging to do, then you know that probably opens up the area for for um, Austin Matthews' dad's to assist total as well. So um, that would be um, the way I would look at it. I would think then, you know. 56 games certainly a point a game pace for both of them. Um, I don't think that's you know obviously out of the uh, out of the question. At all. In fact, I'd be surprised if it's not that for both of them. Um, but yeah, for Matthews and goal wise, probably in that mid 30 range. I, I would think we'll uh, we'll see by the end of the year.
1: Well, the next thing I want to ask about obviously you look at the second line and it's a different construction. Again, a new body that's coming into the lineup going to be a part of it at least so far anyway with Jimmy VC. Uh, John Tavares and then William Nylander. I want to ask you right out of the gate about Will or not Willie, uh, about Jimmy. You look at Jimmy VC, uh-huh. obviously what he did in Buffalo, everybody had a down year there. What do they yeah. potentially see in Jimmy VC and the opportunity given to him playing with a guy like uh, John Tavares and William Nylander? Obviously, another line where you can potentially rack up points, you know, if you're willing to put in the work and the effort, like a Zach Hyman or, you know, that ilk of player or even an Ilya Mikheya before he got hurt. But what do they yeah. see in Jimmy VC that has allowed him to slot in on that second line?
0: Well, I think right now it's just, it's, I don't want to say it's an experiment, but it kind of is because Jimmy Vesey has never had more than 35 points in any of his four NHL seasons. And, you know, you mentioned last year, I think he was at, you know, what he had, 11 goals and 9 assists, he like in 50-some games for the Sabres. So yeah. it is interesting that they're doing this. And I think in him they see, they, they do see that potential. They, they see potential in his size. I think, you know, some people might tend to forget that Jimmy BC comes in at 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds. I'm curious to see how that works, because you talk about the work ethic, and well, you know, when you have John Tavares, that's not going to be an issue. So, and, you know, and William really Nylander, in my mind, works harder than he gets credit for. It just, you know, anyway, whatever. I don't understand that whole Nylander thing, but an issue that some people seem to have with him. So. You know, again, it's um, it's to start, and uh, we'll see how long it lasts with BC there. I, I'm I'll be honest with you, Jimmy. I'm surprised by it. Um, yep, me too. That he got in, put into the top six. I, I'm I'm still surprised to agree to a degree that you know Burton's the top line and not Slider's as a third line center. But you have to give Sheldon Keith credit for trying some of these things out and seeing how they're going to work. And uh, you know, as to how BC becomes impactful on that line, um, you know. We'll have to see. Uh, it, it's uh, because, he, like I said, he doesn't have the history of racking up the points, uh, you know, Sabers and Rangers. But uh, you know, again, when you're playing with John Tavares, one thing that John Tavares is able to do is to make the, the players around him better. As, you know, like it's a simplistic thing to say, but it's true. So mm-hmm. we'll see if that works or not. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, though, again, we get back to the depth issue. You can mute McIver into there. You can move, I think, mean, Nick Robertson into there. I, I really don't see Nick Robertson being on the sideline too much here once the season gets going. Um, but uh, there are a lot of options for Sheldon Keith. And, uh, you know, again, it's something that he's trying right now and you what's know, more or less an abbreviated training camp.
1: Yeah, a few other players with you I want to drill down on. Obviously, we talk about Jimmy Vesey there. We know what William Nylander brings. And I agree with you, Terry. Uh, I'm on the William Nylander train. I think. Every season uh, he's gotten better. He's put on, you know, more muscle. He's seeming to be able to control the puck better down low. Different things he's brought yep. to his game each and every season. And his point total last year went up exponentially. And the guy is yep. uh, looking like a perennial thirty-goal scorer. You know, as long as he stays healthy and everything goes well. So I don't know the yep. knock against him, but I do like what he brings, and that's why I said with VC playing with those two, I mean, Nylander is he is eking his way up into that upper echelon of the Leafs lineup, but. I want to ask you about John Tavares. Now, there's a lot to unpack with him, obviously, last year. New father, um, you know, had the hand injury, slow start, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at this season here, and now the noise was in the offseason hey, they had to bring in a Simmons, a Thornton, and a Bogosian to insulate that leadership group because, hey, John Tavares, you know, maybe isn't getting it done. That was the rumblings. And then the bombshell the other day from Elliot Freeman on 31 Thoughts, the podcast sitting there and saying, you know, Jake Muzzin is the unlettered captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, everybody goes to him, he's organizing events, you know, this guy is uh, basically the vocal guy in the locker room, he does it on the ice with the physicality and the snarl. Um, I'm wondering for you, as a person, John Tavares himself, does uh-huh. that noise start to affect you? Because now you heard it in the off season with them bringing in the veterans, and now you have this Muzzin thing there, which you know, he may already feel or already see or may be welcome, and we don't know. But does that affect John Tavares and being the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? And I'll let you know, Terry, before you answer that. I'm a firm believer that it takes a leadership group, not just a leadership person, to have a team run well. But a lot of people seem to think that John Tavares may not be the captain of the Leafs for much longer.
0: Uh, well... If he's not, they better make Morgan Riley the captain and then sign Riley to a long-term deal. That's the way I would go. Um, Listen, Jake Muzzin or not, I mean, Muzzin is a leader. There's no doubt about that. He's won a Stanley Cup. He knows exactly what it takes to win one. Uh, As far as Tavares and his leadership qualities go, I can only go off what I know players have told me and who they are, how they speak about him. and there's no question in my mind that he is that he is the captain and he wears that letter with pride and everything else. And no, I don't think, I don't think any, any of that type of thing has an impact on his play. I mean, listen, he, he's getting paid the money. He's getting paid to do a lot of things well. And uh, one of them is to lead with that letter on his, uh, on his chest or on his, or um, on his, you know, yeah, on his sweater. So I'm, Yeah, I I, I, I think it's fine. I mean, and I'm of the mind, Jamie, that too many leadership cooks won't swallow the broth. I mean, I'm with you on that. I just, you know, I, I don't think I don't think you necessarily look at it as say there was a problem with leadership. Therefore, we have to bring in Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. I just think it's more of if we can add these people to help add to the leadership group, and they can still play, then of course you bring them in at the contracts they were brought in on. So. You know, I, I I just think there's a lot there for, for the for the Leafs, um, uh, to have at their disposal leadership wise. Um, as far as people respecting Muzzin, I, I have all due respect for whatever your like, treatment says and I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I, I think there's the same sort of respect level in that role for Margaret Wiley, whether he's organizing things or not. I think that and there is in the organization. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, I, I think that uh, if Tavares had not been named captain then it would have been Wiley. Um you know, there wouldn't have been any issues at all with anybody top to bottom in, in MLSC. So uh, I, I just don't think that, you know, you can have too many of those types. I will say this, though. I, I, the one thing that I found interesting the other day was with his initial ability, about having no stress man and all that sort of thing. And I, and I understand that that's been Thornton's approach all through his career. Um, the book end to that, I think, is the urgency type that you get out of a Jake Maza who you know, had some strong things to say when the season ended in August and knows that uh, um, if, if he sees potential in this group to, to possibly c- uh, contend for or win the Stanley Cup, the more has to come from within. So, I, And, you know, it's a guy now that's been here for almost two years, which is kind of hard to believe. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing how quickly time goes. But Bottom line is you, I don't think you have too many of these guys. You're not going to have a dressing room where, you know, they're looking at each other saying, okay, who leads today? I think it just comes naturally for all of them. But again, you know, as the sea to see on his sweater, it's not gonna, it's not gonna make a negative impact on him. I mean, people like to tease to say that he's like a robot. And uh, in this case, I would agree with him. I don't think it's got any, any uh, negative impact at all on him, any pressure or anything. Anyway.
1: Well, no, that's a good thing. And I mean, we look at John Tavares and again, there's a, a certain faction of Leaf Nation that think it was a, a silly signing. I'm not on that side. I look at the point total he's put up since he's got here, a point per game for John Tavares or just over. Um, so he's not only delivered, but he's also delivered off the ice as well. And I don't know about anybody who listens to this show, but if you have a newborn, a child. Um, It draws your attention, not only waking you up through the night, but throughout the day you want to be around your kid and you want to be there and experience things. So if you are not there, it kind of does sway your attention. So I will uh, side with Mr. Tavares as a father of two young girls that that may have had an impact last season along with the hand injury, but I, I'm sure this season you'll see a, a more of a focus because they've had that time where he could spend with his son and do different things, and you've seen him taping his stick with his son's name on it, stuff like that. So it means something to him. So, I mean, that alone and having the time now I think will make for a refreshed and ready John Tavares. And uh, speaking of refreshed and ready, i, I got to ask about this guy, uh, Wayne Simmons. Obviously, everybody and their dog that's a Leaf fan is excited about the fact that we have someone that is going in front of the media saying, hey, if you run my guys, you run my goalie, I'm going to punch your head off. You know, those things, they ring loud in Leafland because we haven't had that for a We've had Zach Hyman, but Zach Hyman isn't a vocal, you know, pot stir kind of guy. He's a reactionary kind of guy. But to have Wayne Simmons, and apparently he says he, the Wayne train is as healthy as it's been in years. I'm wondering for you, yeah. do you buy into the fact that it's that healthy? And is he a guy that you're going to have to, I'll use a Kawhi Leonard term here, load manage throughout the season as well?
0: Well, you know what? I think, how did Simmons put it? Best he saw three or four years, I think it was. Yep. So, well, you know, when when did he last play in the game?
1: Uh, you know, when? Almost a year
0: ago. Of, right, exactly. So, hey, listen, all we can do right now is take his word for it. Why wouldn't you? Right? Oh, yeah. we'll, we won't we'll know, you know, one of those things, Jamie, we'll find out more once the game starts, of course. And we can say that about everybody, because I think it's going to be odd for everyone not having had, had any exhibition games or anything. But, um, you have to be encouraged by the fact that, uh, you know, Syrians is healthy. Um, I think there's a lot to be said of, of the pride he's going to have playing at home um, and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know... Uh, the players they signed, I think there's a the biggest chance, uh, you know, for rejuvenation, if you will, uh, in Wayne Simmons. And you know, sure, you, you like what he's, what he, you like what he said, and that's great and everything. Um, the bottom line is, it'll everything that you know will be most positively impactful is what he does on the ice. And I, I think that you know, he's saying he's rejuvenated, he's healthy, and everything. Um, you know. I, I, again, it's a curious threesome on that fourth line with Barabanov and Spetsa. You know, you kind of, it's, uh, you wonder how it's all going to work. I think in those three guys, you have three, you know, we don't know much about Barabanov, obviously, but no, I was ask when you're looking you, at yeah. it on paper, yeah, when you, when you look at it on paper, you have three fairly different hockey players, and uh, again, we'll see how that works. But the same thing we're saying about some of these other guys, you know, um, if the third line doesn't come to, doesn't produce or have the, have the result on the ice, like, I don't mean, produce points-wise, or just become what Keith thinks it is in the KF, Kerfoot, and Hyman, then, and, and, you know, Simmons is a possibility maybe to move up and, uh, and become part of that third line, uh, you know, depending on what, what Keith decides on any given night. But I just like the enthusiasm of Simmons so far. And, um, you know, the, the, the one thing, too, is, all of the guys are saying just what Thornton and Simmons have been like already in the room and everything, and you know they haven't even started playing games yet, and they're already having a positive influence on these guys. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what Simmons can bring because the bottom line we don't know right now, we don't know, but we think that there is some potential there, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what that uh, how that comes out.
1: No, one thing I'm really excited about Simmons too. You <laughs> see him on the uh, the second power play unit there for a little bit. But, uh, you know, that down low net front presence, you know, and he's not easily pushed around either. And we haven't had a guy like that since JVR when he left town to go to Philly. So, I mean, that might be a guy that you can use in key situations, whether it's pulling the goalie and adding him as that net front presence then or on the power play. But Mm -hmm. if he's healthy and able to do those things he used to do, I think the Leafs got Mm -hmm. a bargain there. But you're right about another guy, though. I'm really wondering about, uh, I don't know how to say it, Babaranov. Yeah, Barabanov. Barabanov. Yeah. Um, I, look yeah. At, I look at him, and he's a guy that's coming in, another kind of unknown quality. We talk about VC, and, you know, up with Tavares and, and Willie, but now you're looking at a guy here that hasn't played in the NHL, and they're giving a crack to it. I mean, that's what you need to do, I guess. You need the cheaper contracts and to see what these guys can do. But um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I mean, we haven't seen much. But is there something in his game that you've heard or someone has told you that would lead you to believe that that fourth line would be a, a good fit for him to kind of grind it out?
0: Well, I think he's got that reputation as that 2 A good, solid 2 A player, right? I and mean, You know, you can look at his point totals in the KHL or whatever, it's not easy to produce in the KHL for whatever reason. You just don't see people, you know, piling up points there year in, year out. Um, but he, uh, I, well, listen, put it this way, Yes, he, he is unknown for the most part to us, Jamie, because we we haven't watched him play and and all this sort of thing. But when you sign a guy like that, you know it wouldn't do much good to have him with the second group, right? Um, you know, to a degree, you know you have you know you're going to have in Nick Robertson, uh, Pierre Engvall too, for that matter, who you know certainly in my mind didn't do anything wrong last year that would make make you say, okay, well he's got to be with the. Uh, with the second group or the taxi squad once the season starts, but I think yeah, when you when you sign these new guys, and by now is a perfect example. Um, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you, you've done the homework on them. Of course, your European scouts have watched them play, but it's not like a Jimmy DC where you've able to, you know, you know who he is and you've watched him play for the past four years in the National Hockey League. So. Be, again, like I am with all these new guys coming in, it's, it's a real curiosity factor here with him, and, and to see where he winds up sticking in this lineup and uh, and uh, you know making an impact. Because for me, if, if, if you're if you're 12 right now or healthy, um, the forwards, uh, I don't and I don't. I'm not one of these people who really thinks. I don't see talking about the 11-7 a bit. I, I don't really see that happening. So There's too much uh, depth at forward uh, to uh, to do that. Um, but if you take the uh, you know, the idea that all 12 forwards stay healthy, and Barbanos is part of that, um, I, I still don't see how you can keep a Robertson down or an Engvall to that extent. So by the end of all this, Barbanos play 56 games. I doubt it. Um, you know, but again, you have to start them somewhere with NHL players uh, to see what he can potentially bring you. It would make no sense to bring him in, him, think he can do something for you, and then have him with the B group to start.
1: No. Well, no, that makes perfect sense. Like you said, it's an unknown quantity. You want to see like, at least what you get out of them in scrimmages. You look at the blue and white game tomorrow night, that'll give a little bit of an indicator of what guys can bring and where guys' motors are at, too, getting ready for Wednesday. Uh, a player that I really want to ask you about, I've been high on this guy for a long time, and everybody knows it. Uh, it's the Hyman Hustle. It's Zach Hyman. Down on the third line. I mean, I don't know if that's a you say, down on. I think... Sheldon Keefe is trying to create an identity with that line with McKayev yeah. and Kerfoot and Hyman to kind of make it more of a defensively sound kind of line, and I don't know, maybe grind you down a little bit, have it in the 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 ozone because a lot of those players know what they're doing with the puck. You look at Kerf against Columbus on uh, the power play or penalty kill, you know he knows what he's doing defensively. Same with Hyman, uh, McKayev a little bit more unknown on that factor, but I'm sure if you you get him to go along the line of Hyman, then you're laughing. But I'm wondering for you, you look at Zach Hyman, does he look at that as a demotion, so long getting to play with Tavares or Matthews and getting his cookies and building things up? And, I mean, he is coming into contract talk time. Now he's down on that third line, expecting more of a defensive model. Uh, did he expect this, and do you think that uh, he looks at it as a demotion?
0: Uh, no, I don't think he would look at it that way, because I don't think that's that really Zach Hyman thinks. Uh, on the outside looking in there's a look like one sort of, I suppose, um, when you're not playing with Matthews, Martin, or Tavares. Uh, but like you say, Jamie, there's, you know, QC's potential in that third line. Again, I think the uh, the asterisk here with everything is that, you know, it's the start and how different are things by the time we get to, you know, game ten or twelve or twenty or toward the last month of the season. I mean it could turn out that um, you know, three or four games in Keith didn't didn't see what he liked and and, and and put Hyman back in the top six. here's what he knows. No matter where you put Zach Hyman, you could put him on the third defense pair. He's gonna give you he's gonna bring an effort the best effort every night in that lineup. And that's not a knock against anybody else. There's gonna be one guy that has that in him and, and for the least Zach Hyman. He's just there you know, um, you know, as Mike Babcock used to say, the drag train in him is just, you know, you don't turn it off. So he's going to make an impact no matter where he is. And uh, do I foresee a year that he does not get the opportunity to play with those high-end players again? I don't. I don't at all. And, uh, you know, whether he's in a contract year, i, I already, you know, this, this weird theory making the rounds for some people that, you know, they're doing this so he can't produce as much and therefore can't be as expensive as a free agent. Well, I don't see that at all. I think that... Uh, you know he's um, he's going to make an impact wherever he is. He's still going to he's still going to work as hard as he has. It's, it's not that's not going to have an impact on him. And Zach Hyman's the type of guy where if the coach looks at you and, and doesn't necessarily say it, but, but you know by, by putting you on that third line says so I expect you to help make this work, and work to the, your best of your ability to make it work, he's going to go and do that. So, Zach, Zach, if you looked at the whole lineup and said, you know, where's the guarantee that you don't have an issue with a guy? I think the one guy you'd pick, Jamie, that would be my
1: guy. Oh, for sure. That's why for forever, I mean, for me, the hashtag every game is hashtag Hyman Hustle because he's got it, right? He's got it, and most nights he's dragging guys into the fight, and that's why I was excited when they got Muzzin, and now they got Simmons and Thornton and Bogosian. They got these guys now to join Hyman and dragging people into the fight and dragging people over that line and saying, okay, now this is where we start, not back there. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, You know, I want to see what that third line can do. Obviously, we need a line like that, kind of like a shutdown line, you know. And if those guys can bring it, that's exactly what I want to know. There's one more guy I really want to ask you about. Well, I guess two. Um, Dermot. I want to ask you about him. Obviously, you you see he's on the outside looking in. Um, I don't know if that's to light a fire under him. Um, to get maybe more, um, I guess, confidence in him, or something to, to get the head clicking with him. Uh, where do you sit with Dermot and what they're trying to do there?
0: Well, it's kind of a, uh, I'm a, I'm a couple of lines on this. I mean, one is that, you know, it, it, it goes part and parcel with what it's saying about the forwards. If you're going to sign a guy like Baird off you want to see what he does to the NHL people. If you're going to sign a guy like Nico Lettinen, same thing. So, you know, if you if you believe in that depth that you have and, and you think you do have that sort of depth, well, then people like Rasmus Sandin and Travis Dermott are going to be your fourth pair apparently to start. And by the way, that would be a third pair on on a lot of NHL hockey teams, probably at least two thirds in the league. Not that I looked at every team's depth chart, but uh, the Leafs have that depth there, the potential for it. Um, having said that, Jamie, if I'm Travis Dermott, I'm probably not. I'm, I can't be thrilled about it. You know, Travis is a, is a very um, And getting to know him over the years, well, first of all, he's a good person, but he's also, uh, he he can roll with things, and and I'm not saying that he won't get frustrated or upset or anything, because I think we all do internally with certain things, Uh, but he he will roll with that and and just, you know, come in with it perhaps with a bit of a chip on his shoulder now to show them that he is deserving to be in that top six. You know, he said to us the other day, uh, we know what what Travis can bring. This is not a a knock on him, per se, to have him out of that top six right now. Um, you know, and never mind lightning. What what uh, what are we? What are the Leafs gonna get out of Zach Bogosian? Uh, you can't argue right now that there's a hundred percent guarantee that they know, uh, because he had a hell of an up and down year last year. It's it's awfully. I think it's fascinating to see a guy like Bogosian, you know, not be able to, to, to do anything for a team like Buffalo, and then go play fairly significant minutes at times for the team that ends up winning the Stanley Cup in the bubble. So that's, that, that, to me, is really intriguing. And it's a guy, too, that the Leafs had interest in. You know, that weekend last February, he was awfully close to signing with the Leafs before the uh, David Ayers debacle, and he ends up going to Tampa instead. So there was interest there. There's been interest there for a while. Um, but again, it's like with the forward group. Uh, you know, if we sit here and say, OK, well, that top six is going to be the top six for the first 10 or 12 games, unless there's injuries, I don't buy that necessarily uh dermot and then secondly sandin are too good to not have a play but um it, it, I'm, I'm i'm curious about the whole dermot factor i mean most people in, in all the polls you do certainly in ours jamie and, and a lot of the lists you see a lot of people think he will be the guy that seattle will be most interested in, in the expansion draft and um you yeah. know i asked him directly about that the other day and he said it's not weighing on him right now and uh, that's fine but i just think it's going to be an interesting year for him overall um, but uh, listen, I think he, what is he? Ike just turned 24, if I'm not mistaken, in December, so he's, he's got so much more ahead of him as an NHL defense or ahead of him right now, and um, I'm really curious to see how this season goes for him. But uh, Yeah, I, I would think that he'll, his number one goal is to look at the Leafs and say, I want to make sure that you're, you know you're wrong on this to put me at, on the uh, fourth pairing to start camp.
1: Well no, I and I look at it and I look at Travis Dermott and I, there's a lot of things that you hear about him and maybe you can back some of these up, that players don't mm-hmm. like playing against him. So you want him on your team, but he's a little bit of an agitator, he's a pardon the the word, but a shit disturber on the ice and mm-hmm. you know, you want him on your squad and I think what Sheldon Keefe has said before is that he wants that consistently out of him. He wants that energy and that drive to be consistent. And it's something that hasn't been. And that's why I was asking if this is maybe a light of fire under him. says, hey, hey, we have other options. You know, it's no yeah. longer, uh, hey, you got to be in the lineup because Martin Morinson or Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lillegren, who aren't really ready to be full-time NHLers, you know, are below you. Now we have options. We have a Bogosian. We have Miko Lettinen coming in. You know, there's different guys. Rasmus Sandin bulked up on the off-season, So there are guys that can pass you on this depth chart. How bad do you want it? And can you bring that agitation and level to your play every single night?
0: Well, there is there is certainly something to be said for that. Because, you know, they do want the consistency out of Dermot but defensemen take longer to develop. I mean, in the national hockey, we've seen that. I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) there are exceptions to the rule, of course, and and, and, and I understand all that. But, um, you know, Dermot had a bit of an up-and-down season last year too, TGN, and we know that. And, uh, you know, it's a light of fire, whatever it is. I I still think the fact is, too, with (laughs) Dermot. He said the other day, "Well, okay, so consistency, yes, but we also know what we're getting in him. So by that, he doesn't mean that in a bad way. He knows that if you know it's push came to shove, and Travis Dermott was an everyday player, that would be fine. Um, but again, you, you know, you got to see what you have in Letton and Bogosian, and again, there's no guarantee that, that both of them are going to be lights out for you, and and absolutely have to have those spots in the lineup night in and night out. We can see how much are, this can change for a defenseman of any, ilk, you know, and, uh, you know, a guy like Justin Hall is the best example. You tell him 18 months ago, he's going to be on a, you know, a shutdown pair more or less with Jake Muzzin and, uh, playing the minutes that he's playing. He, mainly, he might not have believed him, right?
1: <laughs> no, he wouldn't look, look where
0: he is now. You know, so look where he is now. So a lot can change. And I think people have to keep that in mind. But again, as I keep saying with, with a lot of these new additions and everything, and, and, and the impact on, on some of the incumbents, uh, you know, I, I'm quite curious to see how these things will all shake out. And uh, I, again, I like it is with Robertson being on the outside of the forward group. I I can't see that Travis Sturmwood is on the outside of this defense group for long. I just I just I don't know how that how that how that changes for him. But I just he's, he's um, the the potential there for him to make an impact is too great for him to uh, to be sitting out. And, and and it hurts the development of the player at this age. You don't you know if you're if you would like to think that somehow you can keep him long-term beyond this season, then you want him to keep developing properly, and that doesn't come by practicing. It comes by
1: playing games. No, no, and, in, in, yeah, getting game ready. But um, you brought it up a few times. I'll ask you now because uh, you said it yeah. now, I think, three times about Nick Robertson. Um, yeah. Do you see, and I, I've long said this uh, for the past few weeks, that you can't have Nick Robertson playing in your bottom six. He's a top six kind of player with his talent. Mm-hmm. He's not a grinder. He's not uh, the player that you want to throw on that line for defensive reasons with Kerfoot or Mikheyev. Um So with the Jimmy VC experiment, if just let's put that word "experiment" there, and say yeah. that doesn't work, is that Nick Robertson's de facto spot to go in the lineup? Do you think up there with a high end player like Tavares and Nylander to produce, or would you rather have him in those bottom two lines and earn his minutes?
0: Well, I wouldn't say that he's the uh, the guy that you necessarily put in there. Um, if he doesn't work, because people like Ilya McKayev and Zach Hyman might want to argue with you about that, right? <laughs> and I, I, now, I know what, don't get me wrong, Jamie. I know what you're saying about Robertson's and skill and everything and how it might it might be best uh, uh, taken advantage of, if you will, in playing in the top six. But, um, I, again, if you have him in the bottom six, and I guess right now that would be maybe on your fourth line, if that's the way it, it lines up for him with Keith, believes as much as he does in that third line, you know, if you're playing fourth-line minutes and you're playing against the other team's fourth-line and you have the type of skill that Robertson does, the potential is going to be there for you to put the puck in the net. Um, because, you, you know, when you're playing against conceivably the opposition's weakest trio forwards, and you have the skill on the brain that he does, and I, I think, you know, if we're talking about Thornton playing with Matthews and Marner, does part, is part of you not intrigued by the possibility of what Spencer might be able to do with a guy like Robertson. Again, Spencer, never be confused with the fastest player in the national hockey league, let alone on his own line. But, uh, you know, Spencer's vision, his ability to see the game, um, does that result in in production from a guy like Robertson? It could, you know. Again, it's it's all options. I think that's one thing that we can't underestimate here, Jamie, is the options for Sheldon Keith. You know, really, if you're a Leaf fan, you should be saying to yourself, thank God we can have these conversations. And it's not a 12 that's set in stone, and it's not a 6 that's set in stone, and there's not much coming after that. I mean, the Leafs on the blue line potentially have, you know, at least probably four players who could be playing in the NHL, including Marins here in Rosen. I'm trying to same type of thing, you know, Engvall, uh, Joey Anderson's probably thinking he should be getting a shot as well. You know, Travis Boyd, Nick Robertson. So there a lot of options there. I, I just think that Robertson, you know, he's going to be a guy, again, we talked about Hyman's uh, work ethic and everything. I, I don't think you can take that away from Robertson at all. He's going to be a guy that, if you said, go and we're going to put you on the fourth line, you're hitting it at eight minutes a game, go give us what you have, he's going to do exactly that. And if it means, you know, working through trials and tribulations, you're getting 19-year-old to make an impact from that spot on the lineup, give him that opportunity to do it. So we'll see, but again, like I keep saying, I. Taxi slot Nick Robertson, what he showed in the playoffs, the way he earned that spot in August and July, I just don't see him on the outside looking in for an overly long time.
1: Well, we'll we'll switch gears off of uh, players, and I agree with you. I think Nick Robertson will be a part of this Maple Leafs forward group throughout this season. Will he be an every nighter this season? I don't think so, but I definitely think he'll right. he'll have more games than not. Um, yeah. but we'll switch to the guy that will be making that choice on a nightly basis. And that's Sheldon mm-hmm. Keefe. And it seems like the, uh, as he put it, the kumbaya is over. Um. You know, he's coming in with a bit more of a stern look. And he said that he couldn't do that after he came in, you know, the morale was so low after Babcock that yeah. he needed to change things slowly. And he did that last season. He implemented some things he said through the summer. And now, you know, this is his real put a stamp on it Sheldon Keefe kind of way. And a lot of these players already came up through him and knew what to expect and knew what kind of coach he was. So there's some players there that say this is no, uh, you know, no different than what we've expected out of him. Kind of maybe, hey, why didn't we get this to begin with? But I'm looking at Sheldon Keefe this season and I'm wondering, you know, obviously everyone's under evaluation. Everybody says, oh, this is a make or break year. But for Sheldon Keefe, this is his first real, season even though it's only 56 games i know it's a whole different ball game but it's this real season he gets to put a stamp on it what are you looking for out of sheldon keith to get this group to do and what does he want out of this group that hasn't been there
0: well i i just think you're gonna how would i put this best um yes he had to come in and kind of come out of it a little differently because the morale was low i don't think that there was a uh it wasn't a country club type of thing, though. And I think they would be wrong to assume that because that's not the way Mike Babcock ran his hockey team. Um, it was more a matter of the players didn't like playing for Mike Babcock and were kind of fed up with his tactics and everything and, and the way that he uh, you know, went about doing certain things. Um, and uh, you know, it just, it just wasn't going to last, and we see that it didn't last. But as far as Keith goes, you know, I, I think... As far you know, systemically, you're going to see a continuation of what we were seeing—more of a that offensive thrust. And you know, you want to be um, the whole five-man unit think better defensively and everything. But but really, you know, instill in the guy job that offensive talent that you don't want to come off this at all, necessarily sacrifice it for something else. Um, and you know, for Sheldon Keith to, to bring that out the best in them. Um, you know, having the puck, the possession, that's the things that bad clock stress as well, um, you know, comes from that whole five-man unit. I think Daddy guy like TJ we haven't talked about him, he's going to help, you know, kind of solidify those sorts of things uh, playing with Morgan Wiley uh, when that pair is on the ice. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting. You know, Keith comes in and he said himself, too, he said, you know, the, the camp that he had in the summer, wasn't really I mean you're trying to put your stamp on the team for what you don't know what kind of playoff run It's going to be and for the least we saw it wasn't a playoff run at all. It was a qualifying round run of five games So, you know, you're you're trying to really hit the ground running there. I think right now He's been you know as he's been saying working on some of the habits and, and some practice and that sort of thing and um, You know trying to improve those I, I, I it's curious that you know the the they've made a they made it um you know, they've made a point of telling us that they haven't, you know, there's some of the bag skating that they've done, not touching a puck for 20 minutes to start one day, not touching a puck to start their, their 10, 20 minutes another day. Um, you know, I, I just think it's Keith's role is all part and parcel with, with the guys they brought in and everything, but really it's his first opportunity to put his own stamp on the team. and. Uh, you know, we saw what the Toronto Marley's able to accomplish under him. It was a hard-working group. And, you know, that's one thing, one point made, Jimmy, you make, Jamie, that you look around and, okay, a distance here, a distance there. Um, a lot of these players still did play for Sheldon Keith with the Marlies, so they know him. And I think that that will be um, advantageous for those players who do know him. And, you know, I, I just think that there's, uh, you know, the communication factor is a little more uh, real for the players now than it might have been before. Um you know sometimes you hear the term players coach and you're not sure what to think of that because it doesn't mean that you know the coach goes too easy on them and this sort of thing i, I think that i don't think so i think he's the players coach in the mind that there respect is a two-way street there and um you know there, there is a real open door policy and and uh and um you know he just has that that uh you know that confidence and respect in his players that, that he can be with them that way so we'll see what it ends up being. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of faith in him, obviously. He and Kyle Davis are tight. They're good friends. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see as well what this season is so unique for a lot of reasons. But, you know, it keeps first going go with this, having the camp and everything. But also, when you're playing the same six teams and the adjustments that will be made, Jimmy, from game to game, when you're saying teams eight, nine, eight, nine times a year in, in a short, you know, more or less a three and a half month window, the adjustments that Keith's able to make, think on the fly and all that sort of thing. That's going to be uh, pretty intriguing to me to see how he's able to handle all that, especially against a group of uh, you know fairly better NHL coaches. So but there's confidence there and there should be. I mean, the guy's a winner. He's won everywhere. Um, and we'll see whether he's able to do that to help the Steve Club.
1: Well, no, I'm excited to see what Shell and Keith can bring. And I've, I said at the beginning, uh, the offseason or whatever you want to say, I guess, call it the summer or whatever. Um, that, you know, this is everybody's first real go. It's Kyle Dubas without Lou, without Babcock. It's his coach, it's his way, it's his team, etc. So I want to ask this question, and then I'm going to ask you about the Leafs and the Canadian division and what you think they'll do. But I want to ask this. Yeah. What is the vibe? I I've said this for the past few seasons. There's always been a cloud. There's been the uh, Nylander cloud, there's been the uh, Matthews cloud, there's been the Marner cloud, the Babcock cloud, but this season there doesn't seem to be a cloud. It seems everybody is happy, a little bit more footloose, Um, there's a lot more um, joking around, a lot more, um, I guess, camaraderie, I guess you could call it, this season going into it. I'm wondering what you feel the overall vibe is around this squad heading into the season, opposed to the other seasons.
0: Well, it's good, but I mean, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see the clouds over this team. I know that the Nylander negotiation was got carried away and, you know, came within minutes of minute it, you know, not happening and all that sort of thing, but uh, I think it would be a little going a little too far to say that that sort of thing has, has, has had negative impacts in addressing it because I just don't think it has. Um, you know, it, it's a group that does have belief in each other. It's a group that has uh, belief in the, the new players that have brought in, that have been brought in. Um you know, we haven't talked about it much, but it, as much as the new players are expected to help, it is really on the nucleus of this team to get it to the next spot, and Matthews, Marner, Nenea, Tavares, Wiley, Anderson, um, you can put Brody in that group now, I guess, but just because of course, but just guys who have been here, they're the ones who really have to lead the way here, um, but, but again, there's, uh, it is a good, there is a good feeling, and, you know, when Kyle Dubas Obviously, Jamie doesn't have a ton of options in the offseason for financial reasons and reasons of, you know, salary cap staying flat and having, you know, certain players on certain contracts and, and all this sort of thing. You know, he can't go out and sign an Alex Petrangelo, right? So, you know, that's not going to happen. But with the options that he did have, I think there's a lot of confidence in that room that things that he was able to do. Now it's on the players to prove their GM right. And I think there's, you know, uh, they they think that they they have the ability to do that. They like where they are, um, but again, I, I, if there was a cloud lifted, if, if you want to call it that, it was when Mike Babcock was fired. Um, and, cause let, 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 let's remember what Tyson Gary said the morning after the morning skate and, and uh, the morning after the firing after the morning skate in Arizona. He, he looks up from untying his skates and says to me, "It's a new it's a new lease for everybody." So I think from that point forward, uh, you know, that was probably um, a big, you know, a significant turning point, obviously, for the organization. we have seen now what Calvinism be able to do in the offseason. You are right about what you say, too, about, you know, this being his team now, quote-unquote, you know, with Babcock on. He's got Keith as his coach, able to do a few more things uh, uh, player-wise than that. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think North Division, you know, I'll be surprised, and maybe with an eyebrow raised, if the Leafs don't win this division. Right? They should. I mean, Freddie Anderson's got a bounce back from the year he had. And he showed in the brief uh, Columbus series he was capable of doing that. I think he will. I think the Leafs have now, we've probably talked about this in the past podcasts, but Jack Campbell, a guy, who can step in right away and win your hockey games. Yeah, uh, You haven't had that, of course, since Curtis Mackle had and God love Michael Michael Hutchinson. He's one of the nicest people you'll meet. But certainly, we didn't. You didn't have that confidence in him when he was tending goal for the Leafs in, uh, in his previous stint. So, Jack Campbell, you have that. You have that backup now to Freddie Anderson. So that should be good for you. But um, yeah, I, I just think that you know there, there aren't many there aren't many players that have come out and make uh, significant proclamations going into a season like this. But I think the Leafs are quietly confident that they will end up in the first place in the North, and
1: they should be. Well, you know what? And I look at it like this, and we'll, we'll end it here, put a bow on it. Um, the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs, I, I do believe they should be a top. Uh, I've long said that for whatever reason, I got a weird feeling that Calgary is going to lead this division. I don't know why. Maybe it's because okay. they finally might have solid goaltending, and that's something they've lacked, and that may propel them up. But the other teams, I see where their flaws are, and I see different things. And Montreal, for all the moves they've made and all the things they've done, um, you know, it all has to come together. It's great on paper, as we learned with the Leafs, but it has to happen on the yeah. ice. I do look at Toronto um, being one or two, and you know, the cool thing about this whole thing, Terry, is we're gonna see a Canadian team in the final four. So that yeah. is the cool thing to come out of all this. And I want to get your feelings on that before we wrap. How do you feel? And it's I wouldn't say gifted because it's not because of everything yeah. that goes on, yeah. but it is a Canadian team that is getting in a sure spot. In the final four and do you think that's something that should go forward should the Canadian division stay that'll be where we'll leave it
0: well I don't know about that I mean you get into you know travel issues and this sort of thing and it's like you're asking a lot of the, the Leafs or the Canucks to go back and forth that many times uh, during the regular season I know that you know I, I don't know I, I, I just uh, I guess you want to call it traditionalist in that way I, I like this idea that now, right, not the idea, but I like the fact it's happening right now. In this all Canadian division, um, but you know, I don't know if the NHL will think would make a ton of sense either going forward. Um, and, and as far as you know, the, you know, one team, one Canadian team, in the final four, great. I mean, again, there's so many unique things about this season that we're going to be accepting, and, and if that's one of them, that's fine. One thing I will say about division, though, we have to keep in mind, Jamie, is that. I would never look at it and say the Ottawa Senators have a chance to get playoffs because I don't think they do. But what a team like Ottawa does have the potential to do with all of the players that they've added is get a win here or there that will significantly impact, I think, in a fifty-six game season where those top four teams will wind up being slotted. Um, Because it certainly is not going to be guaranteed win night when you play the Ottawa Senators now. I just think that they've added, you know, they have added some some solid veteran players there. Probably done a little bit more than we expected them to do in the off season. You know, what if what if uh, not only Frederick Anderson has a back has a you know a, a nice season in that so leaves comes back to his full potential? Matt Murray does the same for the Penguins. Yep. You know, does that win you two or three games alone? And then no matter who they're playing, it's going to have an impact on your on your North Division standing. So, I, I think it's it's you know. It, you look at Freddie Anderson's record against uh, Canadian teams, I think he has 53 wins in 82 games, which is astounding. You know, the state percentage is about is about 918 or so, which is, you know, roughly his, uh, right around his career state percentage. Does that have an impact at all? I don't know. Um, Austin Matthews has eaten most of these Canadian teams alive, specifically Ottawa, Montreal. Um, does that have an impact? We'll see. Calgary Flames is the only team that... Austin Matthews never scored a goal again so that changed probably you know it, it, there's there's a lot of really to me really cool interesting x-factors that go into all of this and and um, you know we can sit here and say okay we think the Leafs are going to win the division you know Connor McDavid's going to tell you well that's nice but I'm the best player in the game I'm going to lead my team to the division title yep. you know even if there's a goaltending question and so I, I just think that you know, once we get past the initial few weeks, Jamie, I, I think there's going to be some sloppy hockey. You talk to any of the guys who are playing, and a lot of them still are. Coming out of the, the, uh, the work stoppage in 2013 and hitting the ground running there that January, um, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of pretty hockey for the first few weeks. You know, No exhibition games, all that sort of thing, and I think we're going to see that now. But once we get into it, once you get into the intensity... The players are all saying, "Look, we think this is going to this is going to get intense because you're going to be seeing the same teams. with the Leafs are going to West and into Calgary and those you know, Vancouver, Winnipeg, a couple of three times in a trip. You know, I just think you're going to wind up seeing some really good hockey. How do you make those adjustments? How do you beat other teams' tendencies that you're going to come to know so well? Uh, those will be the teams that will win out in the end. But like we said, I think the Leafs have that potential, and uh, I, I just. Again, I don't know how it's all going to happen. I can see your argument for Calgary. No question, you know, Jacob Markstrom could really help them out there and be that guy for them. They have some players that are looking to rebound from off seasons as well. And you know, the Vancouver Canucks—they're a little run in the play. I know they lost some players, but they're running the playoffs. I mean, you know, what does that working do for them? How do they build off that? I mean, does Brayden to come back now and be? You know, whether he's a backup to Thatcher Denko, a guy who eventually becomes their starter. He's one. He knows what it takes to win. So a lot of questions going into it. And I, I just, you know, I just can't wait. Be honest, I can't <laughs> wait for the games to start on Wednesday because the building we're talking about a lot of these things now for the past month or so. And yes, camp is shorter and abbreviated. We don't have exhibition games to pick apart, but... Uh, I'm just looking forward to getting it started so we can start seeing some answers to these questions uh,
1: filtering out. Oh, no, I can't wait either. And you're right, the first couple of weeks will be sloppy. But we will watch it and devour it nonetheless. And I look forward to getting yeah. to talk to you probably midway through the season and revisit some of these things and see if yeah. we were right yeah. or wrong and, and go from there. But, Terry, you're always very gracious with your time. I want to thank you very much. And uh, hopefully you get into the rink soon and actually get to see some uh, live action stuff going on.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Jamie. I, I like coming on and talking with you. It's fun, and, and I hope you're right too. I, I, you know, I we have to see where when we can get in and everything, but hopefully that clearance might come today. I'm not sure what's happening with it, uh, but uh, you know, hopefully we're in the building for blue and white, and then uh, Wednesday again, and, and we go from there. But yeah, it's always good to come on and chat with you. I look forward to next season uh, discussion.
1: All right, good sir. Well, I'm sure I'll be bouncing some questions off you until that point, but until then, good sir, have a great day. Will do. Take care. And This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.